0: Turn right. Re-re-re-recalculating. Man, this goofy bitch don't know where she's going. From the
1: Lost Boys. The lost Boys. The
0: Lost, the lost Boys. boys. The Lost Boys. Lost. Boys. Boys. You're all lost yeah, boys. Last boys. Legendary Lost Boys. This is Lost Boys. We call them the Lost Boys.
1: The lost Boys. We're not, I know we're not lost. Oh, you knew that yesterday, too.
2: Lost Boys Podcast proudly presents
0: the
1: right,
2: Chuck history of hip hop. <laughs>
0: Welcome, everybody. This is Hip Hop History 101, where we dive deep into the culture of hip hop from where it's been to where it's going and how it got there. Tonight, we will be tackling the birth and origins of hip hop. I'm one of your hosts, Ghost T, and joining me as always night profit my man west coast represent right dude i'm so excited
1: for this i learned a lot going I deep on too. this
0: i did too like i think you, you think you know a lot about what you you're you're passionate about and then you do a deep dive and you find all these little gems and it's like wow that's
3: right. kind of
0: crazy and that, yeah that's exactly the journey i went into as well because uh yeah i was digging really deep and checking tons of sources to see you know What is hip-hop? Where did it start? And um, I do have in my blood already that East Coast vibe. So I do got a lot of information from East Coast. I hope you were doing some research on West Coast shit, too. Representing
3: uh, the other
0: side of the country. Oh, beautiful. All right, cool, 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 cool. Um, And, jeez, I got notes galore. I barely know where to start. But hip-hop. What? what, all all right, all right, all right. Let's start it this way. You you did some research. What was your early findings? Did you dig any any of the East Coast stuff? I did uh, dig a little bit
1: into the East Coast stuff um, in terms of like the very very early beginnings of this. Um, very early. I I went um, back and found some stuff from year nineteen sixty seven. Sixty seven. Sixty-seven. Okay, is, you're um, taking it
0: back. I think I'm at seventy-three, but go ahead. What do you got? Seventy-three. Yeah. All right, that that, and that, that was like
1: most of the information that I found that said like the the birth of hip hop was around the early seventies. Yeah. Um, but I ended up finding this little nugget. Um, that in 1965 there was these Wait, Sixty-five riots or sixty-seven. In, so sixty-five. Oh, there shit. was these riots in Southern California. Uh, in a area called watts so, so they called them yeah, the watts okay. race riots and it was uh in retaliation to some police brutality stuff Oof. but um so there was just a lot of racial tension in southern california in the mid-60s and oh, yeah. you know a lot of where in the united states at that all, time. all over yeah, yeah, yeah sure. so um in 1967 this guy named bud schulberg he saw like the lack of educational resources in um, these neighborhoods in Southern California. So he started what was called the Watts Writers Workshop, and that was formed in 67. And so out of this workshop was this group called the Watts Prophets. And um, the I'm group consisted you, of three members, Hamilton, oh, O'Solomon and Dado, and what these guys did was, uh, they did a. It was like spoken poetry over like jazzy and funky like beats. So it was like sharp, sharp, um, very socially conscious um, poetry over um, kind of like a like a soft jazzy tune. So it's it's definitely a far cry from what we know as hip hop today. And um, their first album uh, was released in 1969, and that was called The Black Voices on the Streets in Watts. And then in 1971, they released an album, which this is credited as the first mention of the word rapping or rapping. And in 1971, they dropped an album called "Rapping Black in a White World. So Get the
0: fuck out of here. That, this right, is I gotta throw perfect. my notes away, bro. This I not, do, I'm totally bro. wrong on, on the origin <laughs>
1: here. The thing is, is that, like, people say this is kind of like skirting, you know, uh, a genre. And they were kind of like, they didn't know that they were naming a brand new genre of music in a way. Yeah. Like, it was just kind of like uh, on the tail end of, you know, jazz and funk. And then, like, the beginning end of what we know today as, like, hip hop. So, crazy, um, dude. it is crazy, and then it also kind of spread to the East Coast, and there was a group in '68 called the Last Poets. Last so Poets, thing.
0: Gil Scott Heron, yes, yes. yes
1: exactly. So um, was it was very kind influential.
0: of, yes, yes, yes and yes, it was it
1: kind that. of born on, on the same premise, which was like racial tension, because um, this group formed on uh, the birthday of Malcolm X. Oh shit! The original oh, shit. poets. So it was like 19th of May, uh, 1968. Wow, that's wild.
0: And yeah, a lot of uh, artists actually do quote saying that uh, last poets were something that was deeply inspiring um, to their ideology, and uh, I, I really haven't even listened to any last poet, but that's something that I, I definitely want to dig into because uh, you know, you kind of want to hear the influencer of your influences. you know what I mean? Exactly. So- that's definitely something i gotta dig into and that's that's yeah that's wild shit i didn't know the west coast was doing it that early too
1: right um i listened to a little bit of the watts prophets and it's definitely you know um if you ever watch something like uh def jam poetry it's like that dude it's just like that it's like smooth like you know almost like finger snapping jazz with like sharp um like lyrical rhyming
0: Ah, that's freaking wild man yeah all right. yeah then it, it definitely spread all over um because where i, I and, and i'm going to what is traditionally called and and i want to take it back too because even the 60s shit is crazy to me when you originally think of hip-hop you think 80s right like I, it's, 80s, tough, it's hard yeah. to believe that the 70s really contained so much hip-hop and it started so early but uh even the 60s too but As far as where uh, the rabbit hole I've dug down is, I think, the traditional um, birth and birthplace of hip-hop would be, like, the South Bronx, New York, where this feller named Clive Campbell, otherwise known as Cool Herc, and he got the name, I will say, because all his friends used to call him Hercules. This guy's, I think, like eight foot tall or something like that. He's a living legend, apparently. Everyone said he was this huge, balking guy, and they always called him Hercules. He was coming from Jamaica, and he actually moved. Uh, speaking of 1967, he moved to the Bronx in 1967 at a place that will forever go down in hip-hop history, 1520 Sedgwick Avenue, which is where Hedgwick, full advantage of the, uh, the, the rec room um and the bronx uh, right right in the bronx again this guy was just a dj i guess in jamaica a little bit him and his sister always used to throw parties he came to the bronx he saw that there wasn't uh you know there wasn't anything that was speaking to the neighborhood apparently the clubs were catering to a different audience the radio was catering to a different audience like you were saying these were kind of uh tough times um, in America in general, especially for black people who were you had the 50s and the 60s where segregation was going crazy, and then you got uh the 70s where things were starting to, I think, turn around a little bit, black culture was being more explored, and um, so he wanted to bring you know a little bit of joy to the community. He loved throwing these parties and just con- I mean, DJing is something else when you can control a crowd like that. It's a magic kind of feeling, I would say. And absolutely. One of the things that he did which pioneered a lot of early hip hop was uh he invented a technique called merry-go-round. He said this is something he was working on for like 3 years before he finally debuted it. And uh it happened at 1520 Sedgwick Avenue. Him and his sister were throwing a back to school party. Um for, uh, I think I think she said that they, they were trying to just make some extra money to buy school clothes or something like that. So I guess you're talking about the end of summer. I was like, oh, yeah, it was August 11, 1973. They threw this party, and he finally decided, you know what, I'm going to start showcasing this little thing I've been working on, where he had his two turntables, he had the same record, and as he's controlling the crowd, he always noticed... That when that breakbeat hit in a song, when it was just the drums going wild, that's when everybody on the dance floor went wild. And he just thought, you know what? I should keep this thing going. I want to extend that. Why can't a whole song be just these motherfuckers bugging out, drums going off? So he got two records and he got his technique down where he could just spin back and forth, keep that breakbeat going as long as he wanted it to go on. And he also he borrowed a little bit from uh, his Jamaican culture. I guess what they did in uh, Jamaica, a lot of dance parties and dance halls was uh, toasting, where they would just talk over the beat, talk to the crowd, like we were talking about last week. It was a lot of yes, yes, y'all, you know, jump on the floor, you know, just throwing rhymes, mm-hmm. improvise, a lot of shit. And so he was doing that. He was fucking going crazy with the records and introducing this whole new technique. And uh, it just took off. People just started loving it. And his parties became legendary in New York all around. And uh, he kept it going. I mean, he was taking his freaking parties to like uh, just parks, basketball courts. And their technique was always like hijacking into the streetlights which i thought was hilarious as shit because to get their you know, power maybe, yeah they, yeah they, yeah they had, they, you're talking about some creative dudes this guy created the fucking method of of keeping these the records going and and then uh they had, like engineers they're just like hijacking street lights so that they can get electric for their equipment uh it's kind of freaking wild man but the parties just grew more and more and bigger and bigger and got a lot of influences. But he is uh, he is known in a lot of circles as so. Well, some actually say the father, some say the godfather of hip hop, just because of his uh, technique invented there, which was expanded by a couple other fellows as well. Yeah. We can go into. But did you do any research on like. Cool Herc or anything too? Um
1: uh, yeah, so Cool Herc definitely came up in my research because um even though I I brought up that like early um kind of like poetry form of hip hop. Yeah. There was there was a large break of like dead or like de- definitive hip hop between that time and it was like uh seventy seven, I think, in the West Coast. So during that period, the early seventies, it was DJ Cool Herc. He was Hip hop, you know, um, so there there wasn't really much to find about um, the west coast in that early 70s period,
0: it yeah. Was a, it, was it was a lot of
1: like disco DJing, tough.
0: yeah. There was a lot of disco DJing. Now, I did find mm-hmm. um, in 78, have you ever heard of now this goes in the west coast? Well, I, let me say too first off, I'm gonna be doing that a lot because I keep thinking of other stuff here and I have all these notes all over the place. I'm sorry, but in um, in uh, from '70 from 67 apparently up until 79 like hip-hop kind of spread by word of mouth all around because Mm -hmm. they weren't recording anything like none of these guys were going in the studio cool Herc never really recorded anything apparently there's an album uh that that came out in like 2004 or something like that that he kind of worked on or something along those lines or some kind of compilation of stuff he did but um they just weren't recording anything so I think they missed a lot of opportunities, for sure. But the fact that it started spreading, especially West Coast ways uh, early on like that, was just wild because um, it was just these dudes throwing these parties, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, kind of le- like near the late 70s, there was a, a group that I read about called Uncle Jam's Army. Oh,
0: shit. Uncle J- that's, what, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Uncle okay. Jam's yeah. Army. Um, and they were, uh, and I heard a couple of the members who were in there. I was shocked, but uh, yeah, seventy eight. So you definitely before even the first hip hop record, quote unquote, yes. came out. Yeah, you had and it was Uncle just James Army. You had yeah, world class wrecking crew who uh-huh. uh, many people may have heard of because it had so Doctor Dre Spray out of Compton. Yeah. <laughs> And follow any of that and then yeah. did you see that uncle jam's army apparently had like iced tea in it and dj poo and i don't yes. know, they, they they highlighted you heard, have you heard of dj egyptian lover that's one i do not Dude, know
1: egyptian lover was one of um one of my dad's favorite artists.
0: Get out of here! Uh, because wild. my
1: dad was really into um, Zap and Roger, yeah. and Egyptian Lover is very similar into it. They called it electro party rap back in the day.
0: Yeah, and so
1: um, okay. that uh, yeah, Egyptian Lover was. I was actually listening to him today, dude. I gotta listen. Um,
0: All okay. right, yeah, I gotta listen.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they're very famous like tunes, and you can tell like you know um, a lot of. Uh, samples came from him too like you can you you can hear some very familiar loops from egyptian lover for sure
0: Ah, that's wild. that's another thing that researching a lot of this and listening to some of this early stuff yeah you hear you hear these samples that Uh have been used hundreds of if not thousands or more times like you know in in hip-hop throughout the uh, years up to today still hell i'm using some of these breaks all the time i'm using like uh, james brown stuff which is where a lot of these Early guys got their uh, break beats that they extended. Um, yeah, I looked
1: up today. That was James Brown was is the number one sampled artist in all of hip hop. No he has <laughs> no like over eight thousand it. samples.
0: It's freaking crazy. Yeah, that was definitely a nuts, large dude. That and some of the disco hits were a lot of early on uh, like samples. I'll just say or or what they spun. I guess I can mm-hmm. say that until we get into the equipment, I'll, I'll say they spun it or something because sampling. Is technically with the machines, which we'll get to um, in a episode soon, because um, the 808s not too far away. I think that was eighty eighty one or something. That the 808 uh, nineteen eighties when the Roland TR eight hundred eight dropped, and that forever changed a lot of hip hop as well. Um, especially with the next guy I wanted to talk about, I wanted to give a shout out because of his hip hop uh, history and being a pioneer, I would say. Did you do any research down the Africa Bambata uh train? I did not. And I, I hate to say train because there's a lot of accusations with this guy <laughs> lately. So uh, <laughs> that's too accurate. Oh, <laughs> oh man. No, I got a all right. So I'm a preference. I know you slightly saying... mentioned it last week.
3: <laughs> I Yeah, I've got a it.
0: little more of that, but uh I got a slightly preference, yeah, by saying that it was it was uh now it could be a hit piece. Maybe he was talking bad about the Jews or something. And they're just trying to, you know, bury his name. But, uh, (laughs) dude was, uh, yeah, dude was apparently recently, um, it's alleged that it's even dating back as far as this time period, the seventies and eighties, that he was, he had a lot of encounters with young boys. So, uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, it, May tarnish his legacy a a tad but it's hard to deny that he did have a legacy because he was huge actually in spreading hip-hop in those early days he was just a a fan i mean he was a musician in his own right but he was a fan of cool herc so he went to a lot of these early cool herc parties and then uh and he was in a gang he was in a gang at the time called the black spades and um They did a little music stuff, too. Then they started doing shows. Um, He went on this trip to Africa. I don't know the specifics, but it changed his whole mind. Oh, and I will say his name was Lance Taylor. Want to shout out real names, too. Um, but he went to Africa. He said his worldview changed. Who knows what the fuck happened there? But uh, when he came back, he changed the Black Spades to the Zulu nation. He was focused just on hip hop. And he was all about the four pillars and spreading the four pillars because he saw the positive uh, reach that the music, the graffiti, the um, DJing, or the emceeing, and the breakdancing could do for the youth. And so that's what he wanted to do. He saw the gang life. He wanted to change that. And it was getting bad, especially in New York at this time, especially in the Bronx. Um, So, you know, he he set about and uh, he became very popular. His big hit was, I think that was actually like 81 or so, uh, Planet Rock, which you may have heard, may or may not have heard. Mm -hmm. It was a big hit back in the day. And, um, he did a lot of, he actually did an album with James Brown that I was listening to today. And it's funny because listening through that, it, it's really just like five versions of the same song. And it's talking about like social kind of environmental issues. And there's, there's, it's, it's kind of interesting. But it's just Unity is the name of the song. And it's done like five times. I don't know if it's supposed to be five different remixes, but they're all a little different. And it's all really just him and James Brown shouting stuff back and forth to, to different beats. But there's a lot of samples in there that, that other people have took, and it's just it's just wow. I just love that. That's one of my favorite things. Just going through old music, not knowing I'm looking, I'm h- gonna hear a sample that I know, and then you just hear it, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. So there's a lot of that in that, but yeah, Africa Bimbada, for what it's worth, uh, whatever he's he did or he's doing now, uh, you know, um, <laughs> he's still in the history books. <laughs> he you can't like take a lot him of out. The foundation yeah. <laughs> of hip hop. And, uh, yeah, and they say that, yeah, it, in the early 70s, especially that part of New York, it was becoming gangland. It was crime rampant. But uh, by 76, everyone was into the music or into the dancing or something. You know, that this was absolutely saving lives and uh, changing people. And the culture was being born right, right around them. And it's God bless them, I guess. Good luck in the trial good luck yeah in your <laughs> legal process <laughs> uh so yes yeah, so i don't know if he's uh he would probably be the creepy uncle i, I guess we would say if if cork is the uh godfather or the father of hip-hop he's the creepy uncle of hip-hop <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah he, did help he for it. sure is <laughs> uh there's two other guys i wanted to highlight then i don't know if you want me to do that now we could spread this out yeah go for I'll it man keep stuff, educating but, me but, all right grandmaster flash joseph robert sadler is the is his name but uh grandmaster flash again a fan of these cool herc parties now he was a dj already but when he saw that merry-go-round technique it sparked something in his mind and then this dude and and they call him even his friends call him he's the nerd he's just this big nerd He loves, he loved just doing, reading comics and all this other stuff, doing electronical stuff. And he pretty much invented the mixer with the ability to cue up a record so that you could, you know, get it to play before you're, you're hitting it with the audience. Um, and he also had a technique called the needle drop where he would know exactly on that record where the beat was and he could drop the needle. That was one of his show off things, but, um. But yeah, pretty much he invented the mixer, so it made the merry-go-round technique of keeping the brakes going a hell of a lot easier, because he could just cue these up in his headphones before he started playing it, and then he was mixing back and forth. As I'm sure you've seen DJs and videos do, uh, the mixing technique is moving the sound from one turntable to another, so that, you know, that, that sound is heard. But, um that wasn't a thing, and so he invented it. and it's crazy because that's used still today with people in Serato or whatever else they're doing out there now. and uh, uh, definitely was the forebearer of uh, sampling. I still look at all this. as just this is just sampling. They're sampling different cultures. Of yeah, music. yeah they're sampling poets. They're sampling freaking uh, you know, spoken word stuff. They're sampling the break beats from actual records um but uh yeah so big up of course to mr joseph sadler grandmaster flash and uh he went on a few years later uh which maybe i'll talk a little bit more about in the in the next episode or so but um he came out with the, another one of the very first uh big hip-hop songs the message which they actually didn't even want to write or, or or do because I, I don't know it's a whole story there I'll get into that another time but um but yeah Grandmaster Flash came out with the record um or uh, the message. The other guy I wanted to talk about was Grand Wizard Theodore, and he doesn't get enough love out there either. Um, now, this guy was more of a protege. I'm sure he was probably at the Cool hurt parties and everything, too. They were all in the culture, all in this same area, but he really uh, hung out with Flash a lot, and so what he is said to have accidentally invented was the Scratch. Which became another huge tool in the hip-hop arsenal. Um, and apparently, whether the story's true or not, I don't know. He's making music up in his room. His mom's yelling at him to turn it down. And he, you know, tries to stop the record. So he just grabs the record. Gets the scratch. He's Like, wait a minute. It kind of hit to the beat. And so he just developed it from there. Incorporated it. Showed it to Flash. who took that and went off with it. And then everyone was imitating that as well. And that's why you got scratching on records now. But those guys are, uh, at least for the East Coast hip-hop side of things, some of the pioneers that started this whole movement and kept things going. And they all had their own crews with their own breakers. and That was a whole other element.
3: I think a lot of it really is
0: just like, yeah, I think a lot of it I think hip-hop really is just competition and braggadocia if you if you look at it uh-huh. because especially at that time you had uh the crews that the dance crews they gathered in the circles and they had dance crews just battling dance back offs. and forth with each other yeah. big dance-offs for the dj shit you see they're always just trying to one-up each other like all right well i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a loop the records oh okay well uh-huh. i'm a uh, looping with a scratch oh okay well i'm a uh, looping with a scratch and then flip it upside down throw it in the t- third turntable in there i don't know like you just had these guys who just wanted to like show off be braggadocious and it just got better and better and then you had more and more people imitating some of these great styles and it, it, it ah it was so organic the creation of hip-hop it's kind of it's kind of awesome
1: yeah it really I was kind of like it. and um, there was like a good, uh, what, um, I'm glad you brought up Grandmaster Flash because that song, I kind of wanted you to get into that, what the, uh, him not wanting to you record want the that story. Song. I, I think, yeah, All I do right. want the story because I okay. have a, a uh, <laughs> like something from the West coast, like in response to that song.
0: Okay. All right. All right. All right. So hip hop was becoming a thing. We actually had a couple guys that were starting to record now. Now the first couple hip hop records that came out, were these dudes. Africa Bimbada with Planet Rock, that was really early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Grandmaster Flat or uh, you had um well I'll, I'll just throw him out there. All right. Um so Africa Bimbada started his thing. The first record though, even before Africa was Sugar Hill Gang.
1: Yeah, Sugar so Hill Gang. I'm sure
0: you've heard Rapper's Delight. Uh-huh. These guys from New Jersey actually had weren't even wax. in the Bronx. Oh, Fuck that's fucking awesome, dude!
1: <laughs> but, it was um, like a light blue cover <laughs> with like rainbow
0: letters. I remember
1: it clearly, <laughs> dude. That's
0: fucking awesome. But I think they were friends with uh, this Sylvia Robinson, who was a singer in her own right um, prior to forming with her husband, Sugar Hill Records. They were looking for acts. The Sugar Hill Gang was just this up-and-coming kind of, you know, playing around with this hip-hop thing. And they wanted to put it on wax and put it out there. And uh, it it was the first hip-hop record to reach a Billboard 100. I think it was 40. But it got on the charts. It became a huge hit. It got hip-hop mainstream, so it was out there. Alright. So she's looking at other projects, other people. I think she has Grandmaster Flash and The Furious Five was his group. Um I think he, they were I think they were working for the label or something. But she got her uh the percussionist. I guess it was like a studio percussionist, you know, um, who they hired or, or you know, day player who came in to do, you know, various songs or whatever. They had him write this song because she kind of was tired of the party rap kind of thing she wanted what she dubbed reality rap more you know tales from the streets so she actually had her drummer percussionist guy write this song and then they went to everybody in the group in the furious five you had melly mel grandmaster flash um cowboy they none of them wanted to do it she insisted she pushed and pushed and pushed She's telling them she had the beat already which is a really nice beat it's not a bad song um uh, music-wise um she kept pushing it she kept pushing it she kept pushing it and pushing it and then eventually she got Melly mel and flash on board and so they performed the song Um, so this was actually i think maybe one of the first ghost written songs too i mean you got drake doing it with every album now but yeah, yeah. Back then, <laughs> back then it wasn't you know people were just doing their own thing. A lot of it was just improvising shit, even in the studios. But um, so there were only like two lines that Melly Mel actually wrote in the whole song. But um, as you see, I mean that I think the next week after that came out, that became a huge hit. I forget what I think that a huge hit. hit. Uh, it, it was definitely closer to one the number one the first number one billboard hit is, is not until 91 which we'll get into when we get there I, oh my goodness I was, <laughs> I was shocked when I looked at that you stat today that. I was like no oh, fucking way God. dude and there's lots of reasons I'm sure for that and yeah. everything else but yeah. we'll get to that when we get I there I can see it we'll just throw it out there for you guys to we'll ponder but um <laughs> so yeah so the fucking message man it almost never even happened might not have. Wow, but it's a hit. It's and then it, that, in a way, kind of why I wanted to save it because I think that definitely changed hip hop. That was one of the first big changes in hip hop because you yeah. did have hip hop focused very strictly on.
1: You know, dance, parties, party, vibe, parties.
0: you know, let's get it moving, yeah. get the crowd going, let's have fun, we're cutting loose, you know. We were still girls, in a disco whatever, phase a little chilling. bit. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely, so much disco influence, especially yeah. in the Sugar Hill rappers, the light record, which sampled disco right there. But um, this changed the vibe, changed the narrative, changed how hip-hop could be and how it could be perceived, and as you see, people it resonated with people, you know, it was a huge hit. And they were just talking about real shit and, and you know, stuff maybe you didn't want to hear about, but that's life. And uh then yeah, definitely early mid eighties you saw the change happen there even further with like Rock Him and stuff like that. Was totally mm-hmm. But um yeah, so that was the that was the message. And you gotta big up Sylvia Robinson, who again is is dubbed the mother of hip hop. So a lot of family members in hip hop. I think rightfully so.
1: After I tell this West Coast side of the story, oh, I'm
0: excited. I'm excited, um,
1: and I'm glad that's uh, that you have that, had that story in the in the chamber, dude. That sure. was fucking yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was this uh, rapper on the West Coast, and his name was Captain Rap. Um, two Ps um, in rap. So. Okay he uh originally released an album in 1981 and it was called gigolo rap so west coast from the beginning had its like little pimp vibe going on Yeah, you know like that that was really like its fucking roots you know the it was a total west coast thing i was like surprised to see it going back this far but i guess it makes sense you know because pimps were here long before rap you know Mm, like um, uh it's
0: a pimp vibe
1: and then one of the things I wanted Get to mention to you was that on uh, Paul's boutique, um, my jam is uh Egghead or Eggman. Oh, you
0: you listen through it? Because okay, yeah.
1: uh it samples Curtis Mayfield's uh um Push a Man. I fucking yes. love that song, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like that and that's an example of how far Pimp goes back in um I guess uh you know, black music was Curtis Mayfield yeah. was in the 70s talking about pimping and stuff. Yo, yo.
0: Um,
1: so this guy, Captain Rap, um, was really obsessed with uh, Grandmaster Flash. Uh, okay. And so when they saw the success of The Message and the turn towards more socially conscious music, he released in 1983 a song called Bad Times. And it was like one of the first um, West Coast songs that talked about um, all kinds of topics within um, his neighborhood. So he talked about AIDS. He talked about unemployment and uh like government yeah. involvement in Salvadorian civil war like this Damn. dude was talking about shit like this in 1983 you know and i love and, and i
0: love the, the title bad times cuz good times, times. Is the fucking sample the, right there on Reverend's. exactly of Light.
1: from uh <laughs> what was the group name chic i think
0: chic i think yeah,
1: yeah. so uh that was a direct like he heard that song the message and it was like oh my god music is going in a new direction so i i would definitely call that lady the mother of hip-hop because she changed a whole mindset on the west coast and this is kind of considered the first um the seed of gangster rap on the west coast was yeah. captain rap
0: holy shit that's wild bro and speaking of i could tie things in a little better here too okay you might be aware it let weave um, dude Beastie Boys, speaking of, their first album, a Tale, I don't know if you've uh, absorbed that at all, but early NWA, I'm talking the first album, I think, uh, what was that, Thousand Feet, or Thousand, what was it, Thousand Miles and Running, is that the first album? They might have had something before that, but the earliest NWA actually was heavily Beastie Boys influenced. And they actually took a lot of samples from the Beastie Boys album, too, on that album.
3: Oh, but, nice. Uh,
0: it, it's wild. And I think there were... there were. Uh, I know Ice Cube was in the interview just saying how, yeah, they all used to just bug listening to the Beastie Boys because it was this whole other thing. Because that was 86. That was still pretty early on when the Beastie Boys came out with their crazy style mm-hmm. and changed hip-hop in another direction, sort of. The, the party raw anthems. And they dug that vibe. and uh, they yeah, kind of you, brought punk with them, hear. right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, they brought the, the hardcore punk in Whitman, and uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But I I would always loved that little uh, little nugget of trivia there because if you do listen to early NWA stuff, you can kind of hear it. Did they kind of get on a different vibe? How, For sure. How they're rapping and um, just a little more wild and out there. I don't know. It, it definitely if you like listen to License to Ill and then uh, I think it's I think it's a thousand miles and running. I will have to check on that. But whatever the first album was, it's it's wild. It's wild. Interesting stuff. Post edit. Hey, idiot! It was uh, N.W.A. and the Posse from 1987. Okay, carry on. Influence is just spreading all over.
3: And, it it, and it's just yeah.
0: beautiful, too. It's like, it just becomes this beautiful tapestry, and everyone's adding their little piece, you know what I mean? It still happens, man. Everyone just adds a little piece of themselves and just makes it something unique. It's just, ah. I love it, bro. What else all, you got, it was, though? It was West all Coast
1: influential line? to, they oh. were all influential to each other,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, you know, um, giving homage to each other. Now, have you heard, this was L.A., but um, K-Day, the radio station. The radio station, yeah, because and that was um, what I where read. That was Dr. First... Dre's early oh, jobs. Oh, was it really? Was that his, I did was not a DJ know. for K Day. Yeah, get the fuck out of here, because uh, the man, I unfortunately I didn't write his name down. I'm sorry, but there was a new program director that came on board in 1982 or three, I think, at K Day, and um, he what he did was. He said that he just used to drive around with his windows down and listen to what people were listening to on, out of their boom boxes or whatever else. Uh-huh. And that's how he put his radio station together. And it became, I think, the first rap radio before they even had the New York, like, uh, Red Alert and all the other dudes, um, Mr. Magic and all them. But, um, yeah, so that was what I read as the first rap radio station, K-Day. Yeah. K83 what i what i
1: have on that little topic is um so this guy named alonzo williams he was going M-I-P-A. by a dj name um called disco construction oh no and okay. he was kind of operating in the late 80s or the late 70s i mean and what he did was he started a club called eve after dark Ooh. and he was having like these disco rap parties and this is where he signed um what is it d uh, he signed dj antoine Yella Cari- uh, cariby and then andre dr dre young who later became the original mix masters for k-day so this was get in 1979
0: f- dude get the fuck
1: yeah. out of here okay. uh-huh and then so they started a crew from there which was called uh a wrecking crew world-class and
0: wrecking crew exactly so
1: and if you've seen any of those flamboyant pictures of Dr. Dre, <laughs> that was the crew that it was from. Yep. And it was actually why Dr. Dre left that crew because they were going for like the Prince style. Yeah. Where back in that time, I was like the like,
0: funk. Yeah. However, you know the main musicians I always, dressed and shit.
1: I always laugh. Um, when I think of that style because I think Charlie Murphy on Dave Chappelle said it best and he said during this period of time whoever dressed most like a bitch got the most bitches. So... (laughs) And so that was kind of like the style you know like Rick James was doing it and um, so but Dr. Dre was really you know kind of from he was from the streets and so he wasn't really down for that style and he met um... This is where he met uh, O'Shea Jackson, which is Ice Cube. And O'Shea Jackson was in a similar kind of like a disco DJ group called CIA or Crew in Action. And they met at this dude, Alonzo Williams Club. And from there is where deals in that club were signed to start the group NWA.
0: Mm. Damn, that's wild. I think they do uh, mention or show some of that as well in the uh, Straight Outta Compton movie in the early uh, part of the movie, too, you can kind of see them as they're uh, performing. I think, I think, wasn't there a little bit of? Did you see the
1: movie? I did see the movie. Loved okay. it, dude.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a great movie. I, I'm just trying to recall. I think, but I think they do like go over a little bit of the Wrecking Crew type stuff at the beginning there when they're talking about getting out of that band and everything. Uh-huh. Else. So, uh huh. So, yeah, definitely a good resource. Re- resource there to check out um to big up a couple other movies as far as the new york scene there's three movies that i think you gotta see if you haven't yet although they're kind of hard to find some of them, but um beat street is a is one of the best where it's it about goes, the b-boy scene right it goes into the yeah it goes into the b-boy well it goes into okay. it, it just goes into hip-hop it really does All it facets has of it, it yeah, has yeah. it has the graffiti dudes and it follows their storyline it has the hip, uh, the breaking crews that are going against each other and everything. It got the DJs and the MCs in there. Actually, I think the MC might be the least uh, mentioned because, sort of back then, MCing wasn't you know a thing really. It, it was kind of the last to
1: develop in hip hop. In like doing it, my research,
0: it's funny. Yeah, it was the last to develop and the the longest to stay. Whereas yeah, you don't see sure. anyone really tagging up as much as they used to representing their crew with their name. You don't see the break dancing. I guess that might have morphed into like, uh, <laughs> um, freaking soccer moms doing hip hop dance class. I guess would that be the, the, how would that be how break dancing evolved? I don't know. It's <laughs> sad to think, but um, and uh, DJ and I mean that's that's not. I mean it's done more in nostalgia. I think or, more than anything because you just got guys out there who are just pushing play on a freaking iTunes playlist. Or Spotify playlist rocking a party, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the MC at least uh, still shines. But yeah, that was definitely last to uh, develop, and it, it didn't change because again, it was more as Cool Herc put it just these this Jamaican toasting where they would just kind of say things to hype up the crowd, you know, say mm-hmm. something funny. Um, he had a friend um, named Coca La Rock or Coke La Rock who was sort of the he's dubbed the first MC because that's exactly what he's doing. And and he's going in interviews and saying, yeah, he just went up there. He was never looking to be famous or anything. He just wanted to go out there and he usually just like shouted out his friends names or he made funny jokes about uh, like someone's cars being towed away in the parking lot when he was just, uh, you know, em- Um, But he was trying to do it to the to the beats and in rhyme. And so that alone became its own thing. and was just further and further developed by everyone else down the line boom 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 a lot of crews back then too you had like the juice crew which was a form of everybody rapping you had Mm -hmm. um breaking dancing everything else um a lot of good beefs too which we're definitely get into because almost around this time is when you had krs1 versus the juice crew or boogie down productions versus the juice crew and yeah, um, I don't know. You know what? Just to give a little sneak preview, because that will be a future episode, some of these battles. But I was I, I'm still a huge KRS-One fan. And I was definitely on his side listening back to these uh, records with him and MC Shan and uh, Marley Marr go back and forth talking about where hip hop was invented and all this other stuff. And they, they got pretty uh, intense on some of these records. I was always on KRS one side, going back and researching everything. I'm like, you know what? I think he was fucking in the wrong. <laughs> he was definitely <laughs> he was definitely wrong about what he's talking about. And I, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But ah, it was just a wild time, a lot of energy, excitement, and uh, seriously, a lot of positivity. It really was, you know, changing things around, making the uh, making it more uh, safe and fun. For the youth in some of these urban areas. It's good shit, man. Yeah, it is good shit. Look just look through my notes here. There's like I don't know what else. I don't I think I I, I hit a lot of these topics. Um
1: Yeah, you oh, know, man. uh one thing I want to give a oh, shout man. out to, um, cause since we kind of like approached to like the beginning of like socially conscious rap and like the start of gangster rap on the West mm-hmm. Coast. Um, one of the early influences for gangster rap actually came from um, Pennsylvania. Oh, I know so, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I thought I'd give a shout out to um, a, ga- uh, a guy that was mentioned a lot by like Ice-T um, as an okay. early influence for him um, was a guy named Schooly D. Oh, Schooly fucking D. Holy so shit. So Schooly D, he released a track called PSK, What Does It Mean? and it was kind of considered one of the first songs about a gang and uh, it was about a gang in Philly called the Parkside Killers and this came out in 1985 and it was kind of like uh, where um, West Coast rap started to turn towards uh, the gangster gangster vibe so this was a big influence for some of the West Coast guys was um, PSK dude
0: yeah, that, that, that is quite a jam, man. I, I know it well. I could uh, I could think part of it probably, but I wouldn't be accurate enough. I haven't heard it in a <laughs> long time. But, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, that that's that's wild. Yeah, I didn't know he was listening to Schoolie D. See, Schoolie D doesn't get enough love. And if I'm not mistaken, hold on, because now I got to check. I want to make sure my, my facts are right here. I don't know if you dug deep into this. You know what Schooly D ended up doing? Aqua Team Hunger Force? Yeah, okay,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's fucking wild that a lot of these uh, <laughs> a lot of these rappers ended up um doing um, uh, adult swim cartoon shit. You got yeah. Doom and Schooly D and just a lot of good hip hop influences. Well I think but, yeah, also he did the theme song to Aqua
1: What you were talking about earlier um, about uh, People being, like, fans of, like, comic books and shit. Because, like, comic books seem to be, um, you know, they were they seem to be pretty prominent inspiration for a lot of these, you know, uh, black youth during this time period.
0: Fuck yeah. Run, like, DC!
1: Yeah, I think one of the original love rappers... Them in um nwa his one of his early names that he went by was professor x
0: oh shit. and so okay.
1: you know and that's like mid 80s dude you know so um there was there was a lot of inspiration from stuff like that so maybe that's why they went towards like cartoons and you know comics and shit like that later on too because they've always been inspired by it
0: yeah, it makes sense, man. And look at the you woo know, they all, all the took on the Yeah, yes. they, they took every single, every single one of them took a Marvel moniker. Yeah. Uh, that's wild, man. I freaking love it. Let me shout out as well. Um, if you're interested in hearing the early uh at least East Coast influence records and some of the early rap records, there is an album out there that practically got me through high school this was this was it's it's an unexpected like mixtape album that came out from uh the prodigy you know the prodigy smack my bitch up you've heard you know firestarter prodigy that prodigy do you know i'm talking about um... i'm a firestarter it's not hip-hop Okay, I don't think um, so. Smack my big The Prodigy. Right, huh? Check it check it, it out. Just look up, up, okay, you might, if the, you play that, you know, Firestarter, Firestarter, I think, was probably more popular of song. And ago. then Breathe? Breathe was a good one, too. Yeah, so the Prodigy is like this rock, electro band or whatever. They, they had a couple big hits, uh, like mid 90s or so, um, late 90s, maybe. But they came out with a record called The Prodigy Presents Dirt Chamber Sessions Volume 1. And all this pretty much is, is like a beautifully done mix of, like I said, it has a lot of these songs that were sampled early on, and he mixes everything up so cute. Oh, it's such a great freaking mix. And then he throws some classic, like, hip-hop jams in there. And it's just nonstop, this fucking flow. But I, I highly recommend that to anybody into hip hop at all. It is heavily East Coast vibes, but it is it's just so well done. And then when my friend like gave me this tape back in the day, I was like, "Prodigy? You mean like that, that rock guy?" And um, I, I I regretted even saying that because it was it was yeah listening to it. I, I bugged and I, I yeah I listened to this like all through high school. It was such a great thing, and I revisited it a little bit recently, and it still holds up just every single sample and track and song that they use in there is just put together so perfectly a lot of great songs but please everybody out there do yourself a favor I think you can find the whole thing on YouTube if anything but Dirt Chamber Sessions volume 1 it's fucking awesome I don't think there ever was a volume 2 and it's very sad. But sexy
1: I'm definitely gonna listen to this please listen to that. I think you'll love it I think you'll love and it and is it like the original songs or it's just mixed up
0: it's it's just like uh, it's just like he was he was doing a show or something. So he's just throwing all these jams together. He's mixing okay. it one okay. long track. There might be some breaks here there, but just one long track. Okay, it was a 1999 mix album by Liam Howlett. I think the main guy of Prodigy. Um, and it looks like he made it just for this BB, BB, BBC Radio One show, but um, I guess they eventually just released it because I definitely had the tape. Um, but I don't know. Oh, they do have hold up here. They have a section. Oh, a second section volume? Three.
1: Did you just find nah, out? Nah, it said Uh-oh. it said
0: you know it said prodigy present the dirt chamber sessions volume one section three. I just saw that three and I was bugging. But <laughs> nah, I saw the thing. It's the only one. But yeah, do yourself a favor, check that shit out. Oh, the other movies, I forgot to say, Beach Street was the one. See, I'm all, I'm all over the place, bro. But Beach oh, Street yeah, was yeah. the one. I get so hyped about hip hop. I love it, man. <laughs> right, right. I live hip hop. I breathe hip hop. Oh, and another thing? See, here's another tangent. All right, if you want to look (laughs) up the meaning of hip-hop, as much as I love KRS-One, don't ask him, because (laughs) he gets too metaphysical about all this and philosophical. Because according to him, hip-hop was on this planet before humans were invented or before there were humans. It was in the earliest cultures. It's everything. It's you. It's me. That's hip-hop. When, whenever he's asked what hip hop is by like a reporter he just goes in this crazy philosophical rant and it's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> but i like started listening cuz i did i did get a lot of stuff from like if you listen to south bronx off of um i think I was off of criminal minded um the boogie down production album he does go through a lot of the history of uh hip hop like uh back in the day when hip hop began with coca la rock cool hurt and then bam DJ okay. went to the latest jam till the gosh shut up. They went home and said, "Damn, I don't know." It goes, it does explain a lot of the history of uh, hip hop, at least from his perspective, anyway. But um, uh, back to the movies. Okay, so Beat Street was the one you got to see. It contains all the elements. Wild Style is another one from the early '80s that contains a lot of these hip hop elements, and it just has that hip hop vibe because it was fresh on the scene. And um, the other one is, wait, Beat Street, (laughs) Crush Groove, Crush Groove, which actually has a lot of early um, Def Jam uh, rappers, actually, and stuff. I think, like, Fat Boys are in there. Beastie Boys are in Crush Groove, actually. But that's kind of more of a take on uh, Run DMC like a sort of story, you know, like a fake story about them. So sort of, I don't know, but it, it's, it's, you get the vibe, you get the vibe and it's good watching these movies. So you can kind of understand what the, the areas were going through at the time and the influences that they were receiving and just uh, a little window into time so You can kind of put yourself in there. It's kind of hard thinking back to the seventies and eighties, especially with the hip hop we have now and everything. That'd yeah. Sense, but you know what I mean? Where was I going before that? Anywhere? What I think you were just listing
1: off the movies, the hip hop okay, themed yeah. movies References from that time. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, check those. Well, check those three out. Beach Street was great. Wild Style was great. Crush Groove was great. They're all great. And you could watch if so the Fat Boys watch Disorderlies. I right, don't watch that. I, you know, you know, but <laughs> the, the Fat Boys were the Fat Boys had like one hit. That made the radio and then they put them in movies and shit all over the place they were sort of funny but that's not a good movie didn't yeah <laughs> they were just trying to spotlight and cash in and that's a whole nother aspect too because when uh the sellout phase maybe maybe we called something like that where it did get a little little commercialized and they were really pushing it and milking it for everything they could Yeah, I felt
1: like that happened uh, like late '90s, early 2000s was like, oh yeah, when when rap kind of lost its luster.
0: Yeah, I would say for sure 1991 with the uh, first number one Billboard hit. (laughs) 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 Well, we entered a pretty good phase like into the mid
1: '90s, um, but yeah, like scratch that one. Fuck yeah.
0: Uh, but uh, that's hip hop, man. I'm trying to just go over. Is there anything else that you got there that you want to throw out? Any little fact or tidbit that you found out maybe that you yeah, didn't know or something um, that you did know?
1: One last uh, since you just brought up um, Run DMC, um, yeah. being in that movie, there was like a little thing I came across that I thought was interesting, and um, that earlier group I talked about called Uncle Jam's Army, mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm they were like the big west coast party throwers like we were talking about early where they did like huge disco DJ parties okay, um that were idea. like kind of entering into the hip hop phase they were one of the first like promoters of run dmc shows on the west coast I'll because get out of here. Okay. they were the best on the west coast at gathering large crowds i guess they were the first to sell out like huge sports arenas on um over here on the west so like when run dmc i saw like a couple flyers that said uncle jam's army presents run dmc um and they were like shows down in la so i thought that was pretty dope too so um yeah dude a lot a lot of a lot of cool little west and east intertwining
0: jeez freaking crazy man i'm excited i'm excited for this show to keep going man because uh we're learning yeah, a lot of too. having fun doing the research having a fun reminiscing about all this shit so stay tuned everybody we're keeping this history going and uh i still didn't write an outro this i think maybe my thing will be i never write an outro and i'll just improvise and freestyle every outro here um can i get a beat you said you did break uh break beatboxing oh beatboxing yeah Yeah. Me me and my buddies definitely
1: dabbled in some beatboxing um Did you ever uh, rhyme or anything like that? Nah, nothing like that. Nothing? Uh, Not at all. I was turntables. I had turntables. Oh, you were a DJ. I I was, yeah. So when we start talking about equipment and stuff later on, uh, I I got some stuff to talk about there. So
0: Okay. Ah, See, I got all these questions now. I better save this shit and start writing it down. All right. That's it, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in to uh, Lost Boys present Hip Hop History 101 with Night Prophet and Ghosty as your host here leading you through this hip hop journey and um uh i don't know if uh, africa Bimbada asked you to come into his van don't do it kids <laughs> uh, <laughs> check out uh check out lostboyssociety.org to find out more about the, all things lost boys uh subscribe to our discord you can hop in there ask us any hip hop question you have um oh and i did want to do one other thing before we left here because I didn't know if he had any news or anything, but I started looking up and luckily I found this website, which I'm going to shout out this dude. But I wanted to find out what was happening in this week in hip hop history. Oh, so I'm going to try to do that yeah, every yeah. week
1: here. Bring that
0: up. Um, but the dude, I, I, I couldn't find a week worth, but this dude has a website today in hip hop history. Mostly it seems like he updates on like album releases, but uh, he does throw some news in there. Like, I will say it was. Um, God, was that 13 years ago today that the um, uh, MC Idea died? I guess I don't even know how he died. I don't even. I can't believe that was that long ago. I I've seen him live. See, that's real. You did? You saw Idea? Mm-hmm. Idea and abilities. Oh my god. Yeah, that's fucking wild, dude. But yeah, 13 years ago. That's crazy. That was too long. Um, another gem I'll throw out there for everyone to hit. This was uh, October 5th, 1996, J.Ru the Damager. He came out with his second album, Wrath of the Math, with DJ Premier production. His first album, Sunrises in the East, was like a a phenomenal classic hip-hop album. And his second was uh, great as well, both produced by Premier, which I think helped the albums along very well. Um, any other good record? Uh, Death Row actually released the soundtrack to Murder Was the Case this Snoop week Dogg. in 1994. Snoop Dogg, um,
1: L. L. Closet, that was one of the banana? first uh Dog Pound songs, was on that album. Oh, really? Yeah, um, Murder Was the Case that
0: they gave Yeah, god, I remember that shit. 94, that's crazy. Oh, this 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 hypes me up. Um, 1992, October 13th, 1992, which I guess was Friday, but still sort of this week ish. Nas released his first single, "Halftime," great fucking song. This week in 1992, ninety two. Oh my goodness. Hmm. I think ninety one. Eh, it might have been early ninety two, but. His uh song uh um live at the barbecue. It was his first verse ever, and he was like fucking like seventeen years old or some crazy shit, dropping one of the most iconic verses and voices in hip hop. Love that Nas guy. Most Deaf released his uh, first album Black on Both Sides October twelve. He had two albums releases
1: in October. Who Most deaf? yeah his other one was october 12th in 2004 uh bro yeah the new danger interesting interesting most def is an october releaser
2: yeah
0: (laughs) oh my god leaders of the new school all right you guys might not know this do you know who came out leaders of the new school by chance have you ever heard of leaders Uh, of the new school no (laughs) this was uh buster rhymes group Ooh, before no he was buster i mean he was buster rhymes in the group but before he was like you know solo a solo and artist rhymes because that's kind of yeah. how you think of buster rhymes but he was with he was in a kind of de la soul tribe called questions group called leaders of the new school you might want to go 93 check that out. yeah it was is it was very like happy rap. i, I love Buster Busta Rhymes though. it was it's very weird like there's, I think the main hit on that was uh case of the PTA. So do yourself a favor and at least check out that song, "Case of the PTA" by Leaders of the New School, Busta Rhymes, Charlie Brown, Think D. Shit, I used to love that shit. <laughs> um, and uh, it goes back to last week. So there, all right. So that's it for this week in uh hip hop history. It's some good shit that dropped in uh, October. For yeah. sure definitely good night. um all right well before i actually leave i, I forgot me yeah, i'm so scatterbrained today but um i'm gonna play as the outro of this episode something that everyone needs to hear because this was one of the most famous early battles in hip-hop history cool modi versus busy b now, this was just a, they were they were together at the, at a party or whatever. I think they, they knew that they might be battling. But, um, I mean, in these early days, you just had the competition again going wild. So you had these MCs starting to show a little more bravado on the mic. And they were going back and forth with some pretty good lines. And uh, I listened to this recently. I think it does hold up. But, uh, so, as we leave you, please enjoy... A little bit of hip hop history in uh, the Kumo D-verse Busy B battle from, I think this was like 1983, 4, maybe, 5, 4, I don't know. Don't worry, but... Bruh, post edit again, you're killing me man, it was 1981, alright, back to it check this out yeah enjoy it uh i think you'll like it i think you'll like it there's definitely some good lines in there man getting intense but uh and you can hear how the early styling of hip-hop was which is more you know dance holy kind of shouting the crowd out hyping everyone up but then throwing in a couple witty lines here and there so uh so take a listen thank you again everybody and we are out
2: manhattan boogie down bronx i need everybody cooperation right about this time come on give me a soul clap clap Hands. Come on, everybody, come on, clap, hands. I want to ask you a question, I want to know, is Manhattan in the house? Is the Bronx in the house? Is the Shaq crew in the house? Come on, clap, hands, come on, everybody, come on. Nobody can do it like this AJ can. Come on, all right now, come on now, I want everybody to clap your hands one time. Give me a soul clap, come on, clap your hands. everybody. Say ho, 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 ho. ho, ho. ho, ho. Important question out there. I know everybody done been to restaurants. I know you yeah, everybody went to restaurants. I want to find out whose favorite restaurant. Is it Burger King? What about White Castle? What about Blimpy's? Speaking of Wendy's. What is it? What is it? Is it Needlings? What about Nathan's? Burger King. Cocaine crew in the house, one time it's the cocaine crew in the house. Cocaine crew make noise, let me hear uh, Say blow. 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 Scream. Now come on, clap your hands now. Come on, we going to make an outrage noise. Come on, clap. Clap your hands. Come on. One, two, three. Oh, shit. Ball with the ball with ding, ding. Diggy, 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 the boogie to the bang, bang. I go ball with the ball, but dang it, diggy, diggy. Come on, come on, come on. Right now, y'all, it's time to prepare for the number one rapper of the year. I'm not Dr. J or Reggie Jackson. Visit B is my name. I got all the action. Now y'all heard the rest, and you ready to go with the Patterson MC stereo. I just kick off your shoes and relax your socks. Cause here and I'm ready to rock. And before I go, and before I quit, as I sing and dance a little something like this with the old hips, stay with me, I'm on to turn it, up, say ho, come on, ho, ho, somebody scream, come on, scream, now where's that place we work it out, come on y'all, where's that place we work it out, come on, say ho, ho. And let the rest of the MCs in the house come on and turn it out just like I did. We got the cold fresh force coming out and we got another MC group coming up. If this is B gon' sign up, see all the people laid out there, the place to be. And I'll be back up later just to point that shit over my head. Y'all pick it on now. All right, now before I go, let me do y'all say ho 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 say la 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 la. Say it on la 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 la. la. That's it for me, son Okay, on the And all the party people in hat Boogie Down, Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn. I love you each and every one of y'all. Once again, MC Busy B with Cool DJ AJ. Coming up next from the treacherous three
3: MCs, Cool Mod. D. One, two, one, two, party people in the place to be. My name is MC Cool Mod D from the treacherous three. My man LA Sunshine in the place to be. We gonna get a little something straight here in the place to be. One two, My man, one Busy two. B Starsky. How many people think Busy B Starsky rocked the house? Yeah. I hear that in the place to be. Yeah. But if y'all notice it or not, you know, I heard a lot of shit. You know, Busy B's popping shit saying he'll take out any MC and I all that. I give it to the man. He know how to rock the crowd. But when it come to having rhymes, no way he can fuck around. And I'm gonna prove that right now. In the place to be MC, Ku Mo the coolest other cool. Can nobody rock like me. Remember this. Cold crush show in the house, my man LA Sunshine in the place that we be gonna have a little fun. Have a little fun. DJ Lee, you think you got it together yet? One, two, one for the trouble. Two for the pain. Come on, easy no. Lee. Let's <laughs> the One, two, one, two. Doing the dude now! Hold on, Busy B, I don't mean to be bold, but put that bar-did it bullshit on hold. We gonna get right down to the nitty grit. Gonna tell you a little something why you ain't fit. It ain't an empty top that you don't hug. You even bit your name from the love bug. And I don't fight a niggas name, miss some low-down shut shit. Up, shut up. If you was money, man, you'd be kinda fit. I gotta give it to you, though you can rock. But everybody know you're on the furious jock. And I remember Busy from the olden times when my man's Mooney G used to sell you rhymes. Remember that rhyme called Diddy Bar Diddy? And goddamn, that shit was a penny Too hot to trot, hit to rock and spot Spoonie G rockin' whether like it or not He paid for the rhyme, asked for it twice He said, Spoonie G, buy it any price When Spoonie finally sold it, old oh, what a relief Busy be stolen like a fuckin' thief Came out rockin', the party's yours Got everybody thinkin' that that's am yours Every time I hear it, I throw a fit Party after party, the same old shit. Record after record, rhyme after rhyme. Always want to know your Zodiac X sign. He changed the shit to the favorite G. Come on, Busy B, tell me what that means. Hold on, brother man, don't you say nothing. I'm not finished yet, I gotta tell you something. Too hot to chat, I'm here to rock the spot. I'm going to rock your ass, whether you like it or not. He made it I up take the a title right on the spot. How can I take a title you ain't got? You're not number one, you're not even the best And you can't win no real MC contest Celebrity club and bullshit like it. those Those are kind of stuff that everybody knows Celebrity clubs are those are the kind you can win It's all set up before we come in But in a battle like this you know you lose between me and you. Who do you think they'll choose? Well, if you think it's you, I got bad news. But to hear your name, you're gonna hear some moves Cause you're taking the funk. Cause you're taking the funk. And at the end of this shrine you can call me Uncle. Moe Rock, shock the house. Call me Uncle. Rock the house, the, house, the, house, the house, Like this, y'all. Like this, y'all. Like this, this. It's like this, y'all. And you popcorn, peanut, toy MCs. Never, ever, ever heard no rhymes like these. Cause my intent, from the time I sent, is to say those rhymes that I invent. And for your pleasure, a rhyme you Treasure, please don't try because you can't measure the length or time, can't touch the rhyme. Hit hot, don't stop because you know I'm an MC supreme and I'm one of a kind. If you search real hard, I'm sure you're fine. Ain't another MC who can rhyme like this that your mother or your father, aunt's brother, or your sister. Back and enjoy, don't try to bite. Cause it's very hard to say any rhyme I write. But do it like this, do it like that. Concentrate real hard and get the rhyme down pat no matter how hard you try, you'll see. You'll get your mind in the mind. I can't say it like me. But you wanna be busy, wanna be. And you know we wanna be another Kumo D. So let's all chant because you know you can't. Everybody salute to the new MC champ. It's like this, y'all, like this, y'all, like this, this It's like this, y'all. Now that bob did the bob the dang, the dang dang. Sound pretty good, but it ain't no fun. I'm the Super Scooper Party Pooper member, bowl. Oh, super Scooper, just to break the Man who never makes a second rap low I'm not a bowl. Baddest man you ever saw. money make it an earthquake. Man who gets the party shake. You complication, stimulation. Man who's gonna rock the nation, rhyme, rhyme, battle time. My opponent, he's a man I'm not the baddest, not the baddest. When I win an epic, the I'm not a Santa on the Michael Gersel with a very, very, merry, merry, every Ow. time I pop a cherry, oh my god, it's same and glory. But I never tell a story, only time I'm from the mic because it's something that I like to reassure the round of law. I always teach some sex and stars. Super bad, super bad, never sad, always glad. Rather, you ride a hat every man I've never had. Sleek, sleek, so you need guaranteed to boo your So ladies. Rock without a doubt, guaranteed to turn it out. Remember me MC Modi, the man, it's at the T.O.P. and ladies dream the way when they uh, me. The with uh. are gleaming, I'm so shocking when I'm rocking, bound to get your fingers popping, handle down. I turn it out, cause that's a party's all about. All playing girl, laying on the micro rhyme saying, Dancing who rock leads, satisfaction guarantee, Or you get your money back, but leave me girl, it's not the whack. treacherous 3 as you can see. special case, sunshine, and I'm Kumo D. Signing off, y'all. Signing off, y'all. From the south to the west, to the east, to the north. Visit B, my man. You know, I went off and chill out. Chill it, chill out. Chill on out. Chill out. Chill chill out. Chill on out. Visit B. Busy B, bee, busy beep, busy beep, Star Steve, i Kumo D, the best MC, and that my feed. Chill out, chill out, chill out, chill on out, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill on out. And I just want all of y'all to know, that's why I'm on his dick. That's why I'm on no deep Dick One two. Check one two.
2: Alright. Once again, cool,
0: you Yo, real quick post-edit after just listening to that. Um, that's, that's jam right there. That battle right there. For one, that was the passing of the torch moment right there. That was an evolutionary moment in time, if you look at it. Because you went strictly contrasting each other. The original hip-hop stylings versus that new school started to merge. You know, you got more complex with the word and the schemes and everything, lyrically. And it was just devastating. And you could hear it there, and you see how fucking submissive Busy B got there at the end and just gave it away. He passed that torch willingly and appropriately. So, I don't know. I was just bugging out listening to that shit when I edited it. Had to throw that out there. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. To the out and out and peace out.
1: Peace.